Strategies that improve sales, increase market share, and enhance customer experience lead to brand growth. In this episode, seasoned brand and digital strategist, as well as the strategy director at Roger Wilco, Craig Hannabus, joins me to talk about the value of design thinking in brand, digital, and B2B marketing strategy. The problem starts with brands believing that their uh, brand vision and their brand tonality and their brand personality is the brand. Um, And that doesn't lend itself to thinking about customer experience at all, except perhaps in a small sort of element of engagement with the customer. So we also talk about some successful cases of brands that use design thinking, such as Apple and Netflix. A shifting mindset needs to be that brand is experience and that if you're going to look after your brand, you look after it holistically. You don't look after it from a communications point of view alone. You don't look at it from a, a or, or, or um, look after it from a, an audience perspective alone. Craig also shares some insights on how brands can rethink and improve their customer experience. So I think it's a shift away from this sort of, I don't want to say a shift away from brand strategy because I think it's one and the same, but it's a shift away from this narrow view of what brand strategy is. And I think agencies need to stop thinking of themselves as places that develop communication and approaches to marketing and start looking at themselves as uh, business consultants, as people that can uh, look at, analyze and audit each one of these touch points and then provide solutions to solve problems or or customer uh, experience breaks in each one of these touch points. This is The Lead Creative. Welcome to The Lead Creative Podcast, where we talk to creative industry leaders, influencers, and brands. We discuss the strategies that influence brand thinking and shape industries. Thought leaders and heads of agencies let us in on some of their thinking and insights. I'm your host, Mongye Simtati. Enjoy the show. And please share and subscribe. Craig, thank you for yeah for making the time to join us. I know you're on leave at the moment, so it's hugely appreciated that you could take an hour out of your leave to talk to us. No, yeah, it's it's only a pleasure, man. Craig, of course, we work together. We've worked together on a couple of things, and um, over time, there's a lot that's. I've, of course, come to learn and understand about the way that you work and think. Um, But just to start from almost the beginning, what do you find compelling or inspiring about being a strategist? It's really the opportunity to, I think, understand people's challenges and look for solutions. Um, and, And it gives you, like... In the space that we work in, and you know this, we've got we're doing all sorts of stuff. We're working in FMCG, we're working in B2B, we're working in different industry verticals. These are spaces that most people wouldn't play in it on a on a daily basis. So this opportunity to see so many challenges from different sort of industries and, and tackle them using slightly different processes and methodologies to solve those problems. I mean, you just don't get a job like this. Uh, uh, do you get a job like this? Are there many jobs like this? I don't know. But 
it, it for me it's 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 that's the power of this job is this uh, sort of exposure to to different people, different challenges, and different industries. You are also one of the early adopters of design thinking in South Africa. At least. Am I though? And you know, you started talking about it. I think seven, eight years ago. Well, in my right. at least in my circle, um, you were. Um, because you started talking about it seven, eight years ago, um, at least I think, and and you talk, and of course you've mentioned that it gives you insight into other people's problems, other people's challenges. This you know working strategy. Can you describe what design thinking is and how it influences strategy or strategic thinking? Sure. Um, design thinking is, uh, st- I guess, structuring of the obvious. So whenever you're working on a problem or a challenge for a customer, what what would the first step be? Well, understand your customer. Um, And once you've done that, uh, you then look at how you define their problem. Maybe you see it in a different way after you've understood the customer. Maybe uh, there's a new insight or a new uh, trigger or a new situation that that sheds some light on that problem. So you you move into a, a definition space. And of course, once you've understood the customer and you've understood their challenge, the next step is to think about how to solve that problem. So you move into an ideation space. Um, and then once you've got the idea, well, well, then you try it and you test it and you see if it works. So that moves you into a testing space. And if it works, well, well then you implement it. So it's incredibly logical. But what design thinking, you know, and what IDEO has done, which are kind of grandfathers of design thinking have done is they've, they've structured it. So now we've got these five steps that we follow. And under each step, there are tools um, that you use, like whether it be a process or whether it be a chart or whether it be an exercise. So that, that structure is incredibly helpful to, to move the process along. But at the end of the day, there's nothing new or magical about it. It's not something that um, has never been heard of before or never been done before. I think uh, business owners from the beginning of time have used design thinking. You know, they saw a need, they saw a customer had a need or a potential customer had a need. They worked out a solution, they tried the solution, and they ended up with a product that they could sell. So, yeah, it's been around for ages. It's now structured, um, and like I say, it's it's a pretty logical approach to problem solving. In the in the structure, and as you say, in the structuring the obvious. How does then design thinking apply or apply better than any other way of thinking or at least approach to strategy? Well, it gives you a starting point. Um, and I think that it gives you a, a uh, I guess, a, a process to follow when you don't have anything else to go on. Um, I, I, would, I would say it's the, it's the only way to approach strategy, really. Um, and I think one of the scariest conversations you can have with, it, with a client is, hey, okay, cool, uh, we, we need to sell something here. What do you know about your customer? And if the answer is, well, nothing. We don't have any data. We don't have any uh, uh, research. Well, well, that puts you in the space of having to do all of that yourself. But at least there's a starting point. At least you know what questions to ask from the outset. And, and it doesn't turn into this you know, picking things from the air to try to figure out what to do. I, I've seen so many strategists start their, their strategies with mm. uh, competitor reviews. And, well, well, I mean, what does a competitor review tell you about your customer? Well, absolutely nothing, really. I mean, it, it's a different business and they've got a different approach to things and slightly different products. So 
you know, design thinking gives you that like solid talk about your customer. That's the starting point. One of the challenges, though, that sometimes comes up when you ask businesses um, introspective, really hard introspective questions is sometimes you get a bit of defensiveness around, okay, this is how we've always done things and this is who our customer is and this is how who we understand our customer to be. How do you then come out of that into a space of let's redefine this customer. Maybe you don't understand the customer as much as as much as you, you ought to. And this is why we're in the space that we are now or in a space of having to think strategically or more strategically about the business. How do you address those kinds of challenges? Because every business owner or most entrepreneurs or most businesses will tell you that they know their customers better than you do or better than their agency partner does? What sets design thinking uh, apart uh, from, from many other processes is its collaborative nature. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's definite that, that, your, uh, that, the, that the business owner or the brand manager or whoever it is will know more about the customer than you do. And so if you come in there trying to educate them of course, it's going to be greeted with defensiveness because you don't work in this uh, business. You don't sell this product and you don't deal with this customer on a daily basis. So so the idea or the plan is to walk yeah. in there with some baseline research. And if you can walk in there with some qualitative data, so you've had some conversations with who you think this customer is and you meet the brand manager on, on a level where you can have a informed discussion about the customer. And very often you bring a new perspective that they didn't have. Um, and so it adds this extra layer or enriches um, their perspective of the customer and you can move on from there. Um, what we found, and you, you've participated in one recently, is that we brought different um, people from different parts of the business together to discuss the customer and everyone had a different perspective because they dealt with the customer at different um uh, spaces or different touch points in the sales funnel. So collectively, we created a new view of who the customer was. So yeah, I mean, to avoid defensiveness, it's always about yeah. collaboration. And, and if you're doing it any other way, you're, you're probably doing it wrong. And I think I, I, I like what you just said there, that it brings in a different perspective. I think it changes the perspective because you approach your approach to the thinking about the customer makes it... Um, makes it better or it enriches that experience or it enriches who the customer is or your knowledge or understanding of who this this customer is, especially when you bring in people who work from different departments or work in different departments within the business yeah. itself. Yeah, Are there any cases that you can think of in the past couple of years where you've used design thinking or at least design thinking has been used, whether by you or by anybody else, where it, it, it came, it brought in a brand new or different perspective to what the challenge is or what the problem is in the business and how to solve it using design thinking as a methodology? Yeah, I, look, I don't want to drop names, man, but um, we worked for a, um, a financial services business, I think 2016, we did um, quite an intense uh, piece of research um, we partnered with a, a qualitative research business. Uh, this this financial service was about to launch their uh, their new credit card, 
and they wanted to tie it into some sort of loyalty scheme. So what would that loyalty scheme look like? Um, so, so we, you know, we did some qualitative research, partnering with a research company, and we, we took these findings to a workshop. And the findings didn't look good because what we got back was that people didn't really want to have a loyalty program, especially with this particular um, financial services because it was more in an FMCG space. Um, so it was adding this unnecessary level of complexity to, to a credit service. And, uh, you know, and we presented that and we, we had the workshop and, and it's a tough, it's a tough conversation to have when, um, A, they're sold on this product that they've created, but B, because we're a marketing agency, we want this product to work because we get to market it and make more money doing that. So to sit in a space where you're trying to say to the, to a client, no, um, is tough, but at the end of the day, they didn't do it because when they thought about it a bit more and did their own research, they came to the same conclusion. So, so for me, that's sort of a, a negative, <laughs> probably a negative uh, case study. But I think looking at positive ones, um, Apple uses design thinking that's foundational for for their product development. Um, the nice thing about that is that if you use a process like design thinking right at the start, before you even get to marketing, it gives you this very solid base um, from A, which to build your, your product, but B, when it comes time to marketing it, it's an easy sell because you already have solved the customer's problem. It's just a case of going like, and here's, voila, here's the solution. Um, Netflix also very similar um, business model, well, at least in the start. I don't know if, if Netflix really follows design thinking that much these days, but um, it was a case of how do we uh, keep up with, with changing technologies and provide our customer with um, the entertainment that they want. Um, and they you know, looked at streaming, they looked at various other things, and you know they did some rapid prototyping, I guess you could call it, or minimum viable products. And so we ended up with this sort of nugget of Netflix that eventually grew to what we have today. So, yeah, I don't know if that's actually answering your question. There, there are so many case studies where we've seen. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. No, it does. It yes, does. It does. Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. I think, I mean, in the, in the, yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, I, I mean, I see it as as in the one case, it it helps to it helps a brand to not go down a road of spending millions and millions on a product that the market doesn't want because because you know because that's where the trend is at the time that you know their competitors are doing that. So let's also do it. Follow the Joneses, whereas data tells them, or at least the customer tells them they don't want that. So that is a good one. And in, on the other side of it, it's also with rapid prototyping, you are then able to assess adoption before you even, before you even go out to market. So, so both cases for me are really good in understanding the customer and, giving, and getting a better understanding or get better perspective of who the customer is and what they want. You also talk a lot and write quite a bit about uh, customer experience. There's also the CX report that was recently launched. Can you talk us through 
this thinking of how the customer experience gets broken, um, you know, on the ground when there are such good strategies or such, um, I, I think, um, thoughts from the brand or at least intentions from the brand to be really good at customer experience. Where where does it break, and and how can we create a bridge that is that's better or more impactful for a brand between their customer experience and what they communicate? The problem starts with brands believing that their uh, brand vision and their brand tonality and their brand personality is the brand. Um, And that doesn't lend itself to thinking about customer experience at all, except perhaps in a small sort of element of engagement with the customer. So maybe that'll come through in a Facebook post or maybe that'll come through in a banner ad, but it certainly doesn't affect customer experience on a very profound level. Um, And, you know, I can see a nicely designed Facebook ad, but as soon as I click through to a shoddy website with a poor customer or poor user experience, and then I get something delivered in a a nasty box, it, it breaks all, all the way along those, those following touch points. So I think an important uh, shift in mindset needs to be that brand is experience and that if you're going to look after your brand, you look after it holistically. You don't look after it from a communications point of view alone. You don't look at it from a, a or, or, or um, look after it from a, an audience perspective alone. You look at it from, yeah, the starting point is communication. The starting point is a Google search and how do we tighten that up? But there are multiple touch points along the way. And each one of those touch points has its own user experience, which very often requires specialist knowledge to make that user experience good. And collectively, they make a good customer experience. So I think it's a shift away from this sort of I don't want to say a shift away from brand strategy because I think it's one and the same, but it's a shift away from this narrow view of what brand strategy is. And I think agencies need to stop thinking of themselves as places that develop communication and approaches to marketing and start looking at themselves as um, business consultants, as people that can uh, look at, analyze and audit each one of these touch points and then provide solutions to solve problems or, or customer uh, experience breaks at each one of these touch points. So I think a shift in, ex- and many agencies are doing this already, they're, they're, they're shifting their perspective on what their service offering is into a more business consulting space. But I, I think at the same time, uh, brands and businesses need to do that too. One of the things I'm getting out of that, which which I want us to unpack a little bit more, is this um, beyond just the the shift in what the business offering is, is this siloed nature with which brands approach their marketing or communication. Because if one agency is working on one part of the brand and they are you know, they are more on the brand side of things rather than on the communication or digital, whatever other side how then do we bring how then do we start communicating or at least finding this 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 golden thread that brand is experience rather than that you know one agency does this or one part of the business does this and the other part does that because 
I feel like that's where some part of the break occurs. Is there a way to break down these silos? Are there some thoughts around that? It it comes down to collaboration, which I mean we've discussed. Uh, what one of the sort of chief selling points of design thinking is that collaborative nature, and then bringing in those different uh, stakeholders in the business to, into one room to have the conversation. So. That's definitely something that breaks down walls very quickly and helps people understand that there's a bigger picture here. Um, but the only way the bigger picture works is if we all work together on our small little pictures, little puzzle pieces, so we can plug it in to make this, this bigger picture look good. Um, from an agency perspective, uh, and it's always been a tough one. I mean, you were talking about having sort of these different specialist agencies. So you might have your um, PR agency, your media agency, your creative agency, which is often positioned as the lead agency. You, you might even have a social media agency in the mix. Um, and that that golden thread is really important because if one of those agencies drops the ball or has a different idea at any point in developing a, a campaign, the whole thing falls apart. Um, but the difficulty is, is that many of those agencies have uh, overlapping skill sets. So your lead creative agency probably has a social media component to it or a social media department. And there's always this temptation to try and poach or, uh, or steal business from another agency. So, so that, that creates often friction between different agencies as that very aggressive approach to business uh, you know, starts manifesting itself. Um, so, so one of the things there is once again collaboration. Once again, and it's very often and unfortunate that the client, the brand, has to step in and keep people in their lanes, and that should never be the case. But very often it is. Um, but it does come down to when we're all in a room together, we're transparent. We support one each, uh, each other. So if the creative agency has an idea and it's backed by a solid strategy and there's been customer research and uh, you know the client has bought into it or the brand has bought into it, that's what it is. Let's not try and steal thunder or steal glory or you know let's get down to it and do the job. Um, same thing, if the social media agency has an approach, has an idea, don't step on their toes, just Follow along. They, they know what they're doing. If social media fails, it's only that agency. But if you've been meddling there, well, you know, then the finger gets pointed back at you. So stay in our lanes, stay collaborative, have absolute transparency with, with our client. And then I think at the very least, uh, ask the hard questions. Um, do we have any customer data? If the answer is no, the starting point is not a campaign. The starting point is getting that customer data and understanding the customer. If you don't have that, anything you do after that will fail. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. In the B2B space, where do you find brands um, get it wrong or at least can improve? because you do quite a bit of that and you also apply design thinking within B2B marketing. Where, what, what, are, what are some of those common, theme, common theme, things or common themes that come up when you do design thinking for B2B marketing or in the B2B marketing space and you find that brands 
almost always get hamstrung by similar things. Are there any similar things? I think that there's always this temptation in B2B to treat it the same as B2C. Instead of Facebook, though, we just substitute LinkedIn and go, okay, we've done the B2B thing now. We just, we've got LinkedIn going. Um, and that's not the case. Um, I think there's a couple of things to understand in the B2B uh, uh, arena. Firstly, sales cycles are much longer. So, you know, when you're looking in the B2C space, um, when you're looking at fast moving consumer goods and it's there in the name fast, uh, when you're looking at electronics, these things have quick turnarounds because the customer or the consumer has a need uh, and they go and they address that need as, as quickly as they can. They do some research, they make a decision and they go and address that need you know, within days, weeks, maybe a month. Uh, whereas in the B2B space, those, um, those uh, adoption of new services or new products from, from a new supplier takes years sometimes. It takes multiple conversations. There are multiple stakeholders involved, multiple decision makers, multiple influencers. So what you end up with is a very layered communication plan um, that almost creates bespoke bits of sales content or marketing content for each one of those decision makers. Um, it becomes about refined targeting. It becomes about thinking beyond things like social platforms. And we start looking at uh, things like account-based marketing, where we you know, look at publications beyond digital and where we seed our thought leadership or our products product blurb, um, so the right eyeballs see it. But it is, I think, more complex. There are more people involved. The sales cycles are longer. And those all add the, the, these levels of complexity that go beyond, obviously, let's just put it on LinkedIn. So with all of this, of course, with all of this complexity and the number of years sometimes that it takes to make a decision on a B2B our product or service or supplier, you then need to you then need to of course constantly or keep communicating with the same kinds of people in order to be within their radar. Are brands are brands doing that enough? Um, are brands doing the 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 long haul kind of marketing, if you could call it that, to communicate with some of these some of some of these potential um, clients or potential suppliers or supplier client kind of relationships. I think uh, that's a very a very broad question. Some brands are, some brands aren't, um, and it, it it is a it is dependent on on, yeah. on industry. Uh, I guess the you know we were we were doing some some work. Uh, when was it about six months ago for for a for a a very niche industry uh, in the mining space, and and what it came down to was uh, you don't market product and service, you market expertise in this particular space. So it became about the individual and their qualifications and their ability to deliver the the service, um, less than, less so than it was about the service because the service is very standard. It's it's a, it's a it's the mining industry. There is a certain way of doing this particular thing, and there might be some innovations around it here and there, but at the end of the day, it's the people that are implementing it that are important because their qualification and their experience is what matters. 
very often in those kinds of industries, especially in in industries that are not traditionally uh, marketed, like your mining industries, to a degree, your logistics uh, spaces. Um, that kind of approach to thought leadership where your business owners or your implementation specialists need to promote themselves, that doesn't happen. And it's a case of time and it's a case of lack of understanding of the platforms, the lack of the value that these uh, that this approach to marketing delivers. So yeah, very often that kind of stuff doesn't happen. When it comes to marketing products and services uh, in, in spaces where that counts, what you'll very often find is that there's an, a generic approach to it. So it isn't creating content for the right eyeballs, it's simply creating content for the sake thereof. And that's that's across B2B and B2C. Like we're sitting in this situation where people are creating content for the sake thereof. I'm on Facebook because everyone's on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn because everyone's on LinkedIn. Is your customer there? Because if not, don't waste your time. Really, don't waste your time. Um, and, and that's this thing we need to escape is this generic sort of approach to everything. It, 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 it's incredibly valuable to create content or create marketing messaging, communications or tools, anything that enriches the customer experience for your customer. I mean, once again, like I say, design thinking is structuring of the obvious, yet somehow we miss it time and time again. Right, right, right. You also mentioned account-based um, account-based marketing um, there in your previous answer. And once again, account-based marketing can be very effective within this B2B space. Can you describe a little bit about how account-based marketing would work within a B2B marketing sort of ecosystem? I know, I mean, I know it would work differently for different brands, but just the basics of how it would it would apply. Well, I, I can explain perhaps the approach um, I take slash we take slash you and I take. <laughs> um, and that we, we uh, I mean, we map out, well, we have a conversation with our, with our client first and say, listen, who is your ideal customer? Who do you want to talk to? I mean, give us a name. Um, and, and so they do. And we go and look at that business and in, and you know, desk research. We try to map out their um, their org chart and identify individuals, literal individuals in that org chart that we want to talk to. That we would love to get into a room with our client to have a conversation about the product. And once we've established who those individuals are, we look at what kinds of content they're consuming. Very often, the only space you can find this is on LinkedIn. But we get an idea of what they're sharing, what they're resharing, and what interests them. And that gives us a template for what people in a similar position might be interested in. And we can start developing uh, a content plans or approaches to communicating with these people. And whether that be through PR, whether that be through digital publications or real world, world publications or creating videos, infographics, whatever it may be, the idea is target a person and like-minded people in similar positions will also see that whatever it is and find value in it. Um, you may not get the person you want in the room, but you're going to get similar people in the room. And at the very least, 
whatever you create from a marketing point of view is going to resonate with the right person. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. So once again, it boils down to understanding understanding the customer and, and drilling down to who that customer is and communicating direct, trying as much as possible to communicate directly with them where they consume content rather than where you want to place your content. Yeah, it, it goes a bit beyond that as well. Um, and that's sort of when, you look, when you're looking at the sort of design thinking structure, there's this understanding the customer, which is the first step. And then the second step is problem definition, which... Um, is understanding that there are both internal and external factors when it comes to uh, looking at what problems there are and what challenges there are and then moving into a, a space of, of solution provision. Um, and so an example of an internal factor would be uh, what's happening inside the business or what's happening inside uh, the, the industry vertical to a degree and, and what those challenges are. So it may be... Uh, a new innovation that's changing business models across the board and, and that be, that becomes a difficult thing to deal with. It may be internal company politics, so a shift in leadership um, or a uh, you know mass retrenchment, whatever it may be. That is an in, those are sets of internal factors that may affect uh, a, a, a person's decisions when it comes to taking on new products. Then there are external factors and external factors are when you start looking more broadly at things like economy, uh, things like uh, socioeconomic spaces, political things, you know, those sorts of those sorts of situations. So we were looking at um, a major streaming service as a case study that you know a couple of months ago, and internal factors for this particular company was um, sort of internal politics and uh, a difficulty in providing the right content to their customer. And then we started looking at external um, external factors, and uh, it was difficulty with payment gateways. It was difficulty with understanding cultural nuances of the target markets they wanted to reach, and so all of those became um, external factors. Um, so I think, yeah, there there's understanding your customer, understanding the internal factors that will influence that customer's decisions. And then also understanding the external factors that influence the customer's decision. If you look at just the customer by themselves, you're not going to get the whole picture. Right. So when you've done um, a good you know, design thinking workshop, the process and everything else, and you've understood the customer and, and all of this, how would you define or, or how would you describe what a good, what a good or really great strategy looks like once you've done all of these steps, once you've followed all of these steps, when you say, right, we've come out of this with a really great um, strategy or document that can be, you know, that can be applied to take the business forward. How would you, what what pillars or, or, or what should be in that kind of document? What, you know, how, how does it look? It looks like a plan. <laughs> um it, <laughs> that's what it looks like. I mean, uh, yeah, it's different for different yeah. customer needs and, and different, um, I, I guess you could say, sure. briefs. Um, at the bottom of it, there needs to be absolute alignment between uh, you and the uh, and your client or your or the brand. 
Um, and, and so you, you do need to provide some sort of detailed view on, on, on who the customer is um, so that when you are taking them through this document, there's sort of like, yeah, we're aligned. This is, we, we, we've discussed this. And so it might seem a bit redundant to go through it again, but, you know, minds change, people change. This is a fast moving world. So a workshop you did three weeks ago might become irrelevant, you know, today. Um, so the, the, there's generally understanding of who the customer is. There's a framing of what the problem is. So um, of what, what needs to be achieved. And, and that I think is where you need to be mindful of the fact that there are almost these three different entities at play here. The one is the business and what their objectives are. And 100% of the time that's bottom line. There's marketing and what their objectives are. And sometimes that's very closely linked to business objectives, depending on who's running that side of things. You might have a very short-term view. You might have a long-term view. Long-term view would be brand building, uh, raising awareness with this idea of once we've established ourselves in the market, the sales will come. A short-term, we believe we've already established ourselves. We need to get sales ASAP. And so those are two things working within the within this sort of three, this holy trinity. And then the third thing is the customer and what their expectations are. And so I, I think your document should clearly map out what's happening in all three of those spaces and, and give you clear performance in KPIs, clear KPIs of what each one of these entities would want to achieve. I think we very much sit in a space um, and it's kind of frustrating to sit in a space where we don't get that bigger picture um, as, as strategists or marketers. And we end up sitting with these horrible KPIs like reach and engagement, which, what does that mean? And people are like, well, it's a measure of brand awareness. No, it isn't. It's not. Because if I've reached 5 million people and only five of those people is my customer, like what, what is, I've reached nobody then, reached five people. So it really becomes looking at, like I said, those three entities and then the meaningful metrics within those three spaces that we will be measured against. How do we know it's going to work? Well, we, we've done our homework. We've you know, ticked all the boxes. We've come up with a great idea. We've done all the things we need to do, but we will never know unless we do the actual, we implement, we get it out into the market we push play on the on the first video, whatever it may be. Um, and then if it works, it it, it works. The, the next thing and always to be mindful of is this acceptance of failure because it may fail. And if it does fail, it isn't a case of just letting it ride because it might turn around. It is about stopping, reevaluating the strategy, reworking it maybe maybe it's about reworking what the implementation is but i think as strategists we need to be very much engaged with campaigns beyond our um uh, I, I guess work that we're supposed to be doing or beyond our discipline um so that we can make sure that any subsequent strategies we do are better i've worked with strategists before that sort of do the strategy and throw it at, you know, the, the implementers or the creative team or whoever it may be, and then they run away and you never see them again. And the result is they never get better. And the result is they never get any insight from the client and the, or from the, the, um, the outputs of these campaigns. Um, so 
that's what makes being a strategist, I guess, and doing it properly quite time consuming and challenging is that you cannot ever step away from a client. You cannot ever step away from, from a campaign or, or a piece of work that you've done. You have to follow it through. Um, you have to be there when, the, when they're reporting back on it. You have to be there when, when it's failed and you have to take that or, or, or you get to be there when it's succeeded and, and you get to take that. But there's no running away. You're there. You're like Papa. You're Papa Bear and, and you don't let your children wander the world alone. No, that's a really that's a really great place to to close on. I think, yeah, absolutely. Understanding understanding the customer, uh, being in touch with the process, and constantly reevaluating and making improvements as things um, change, fail, or there are um, you know various various changes in the marketplace. So, so yeah, I think I got a lot out of that, and I'm sure that our listeners will as well. Um, um, thank you, Craig. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative. Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with your network or your friends. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter, on at Mongesi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find me on mongesi.com.